welcome to the Mean Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Kraft, author of The Mean Mom's Guide to Raising Great Kids, and I'm so glad you're here. You know, I believe motherhood is the hardest job on the planet. You're not meant to do it alone. Every mom needs her own cheering section. On the Mean Moms Podcast, you'll hear from other moms just like you. You'll be inspired, encouraged by their stories, and I'll be your personal parenting coach running right alongside you. So when you're feeling weak, you'll find strength here. When you fall, we'll pick you up, dust you off, and remind you of the high goal of parenting, to raise respectful, independent, God-honoring adults. Us Mean Moms, we're a rare breed, and we know something you don't know. Mean Moms, raise great kids. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Mean Moms Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about that soft and sweet mom I like to call a marshmallow mom. You know the mom I'm talking about. She's the mom we all love to love and hate to watch at the grocery store. Her heart is huge and her eyes are blind to the future. She sacrifices for her child to a fault and the teenager her child may one day become just might eat her alive. So grab your vanilla latte, kick off your shoes, and let's have ourselves a little chat about our kids. Thanks so much for joining me. I am so glad you're here. Today we're going to be talking about marshmallow moms. That's what I've I've called them for a long time. They're the soft and sweet moms that, you know, I, I like to think of them kind of like moms who are grandmas first. Uh, you know, if you think of the sweetest grandma in the whole wide world, uh, that's the kind of mom they're being. So imagine grandma being a mom. And that's what's happening. So that's what I'm talking about today because mean moms, they come in all shapes and sizes. So I believe marshmallow moms, they have a lot of different characteristics too. Most are known to be sugary sweet with a heart as soft as that fluffy marshmallow cream. And when you think about it, you know, a marshmallow's biggest ingredient is sugar and sugar is not good for you in big doses. So I have to understand, though, who doesn't love a little sugar? I love sugar, right? So it's easy to be a pushover when it comes to our kids. Uh, Boundaries are hard to instill in our kids, especially, especially when we have the most beautiful child in the whole wide world, the absolute most beautiful child in the whole wide world looking up at us with their beautiful, beautiful eyes, asking for that one thing. I mean, of course we want to give it to him, but should we give it to him? Probably not. And we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. So marshmallow moms in uh, my book, The Mean Mom's Guide to Raising Great Kids, I talk about the different kinds of marshmallow moms that I think we all uh, are. And, And trust me when I say this, I could write about them easily because I have been every one of them. So I thought I would read a couple of these mean mom, excuse me, these marshmallow mom, marshmallow moms to you. So uh, one of them I like to call Delia does too much. Delia just wants to help. Carpool, team mom, PTA, classroom volunteer, Cub Scout leader, the list is long and her day is longer. A pleaser extraordinaire, she raises her hand for any request, big or small. She hasn't puckered up and said the word no since 2008. Now, this is the mom that is crazy busy. You know what I'm talking about? I have been that mom too. That's uh, how we went on our first radical sabbatical. And we'll be talking about that a little in a few more episodes coming up. But busyness, busyness is such a distraction. And unfortunately, especially if you're one of those people pleasing kind of gals, 
it's even harder to say no when it comes to our kids. Uh, so when, when they go to school, you want to be the room mom. When they are on a soccer team, you want to be team mom. And all of these things are good things, but good is quite often the enemy of the best things. And the best things really are just having time and focus with your kids. And I think as we get distracted, that uh, becomes such a target we're never going to hit ever because there's always something more to do. There's always another thing we can sign up for. And eventually we just have to see it for what it is. And it is a huge distraction. Um, so that's Delia does too much. Uh, I know that, um, to have a healthy balance, what I try and do, and I, I did with my kids is we would do one thing with the kids. I would do a field trip each quarter or each season, uh, with the kids. I was never the room mom. Uh, one of those reasons was because I had four kids and having four kids, there was always a younger one at home. So it was hard to do. And um, so that wasn't easy. Now we did help in kids classes when we could, but I can't say I had a lot of guilt not doing those things. I think just having a lot of kids made things busy as it was. I mean, anytime you have a child, I think having one child can oftentimes be the busiest household. And you might be going, why? Why would you say that? Because when you have one child, you're it. Mom is it. And so that child, when they want to play or they want some attention, they're not burning off any playtime uh, with their with a sibling. It's you. So I can see where a mom of one child would have it really, uh, would be, it'd be even harder uh, to be so busy because everything revolves around that child. So with the four kids, they demanded my time. Um, and, but they also, they could keep each other busy, which was good. So Delia does too much. We've got to really try to not be her. She's a marshmallow mom. She's the one that just can't say no. So maybe this week you can practice puckering up and saying no, that would be, that would be awesome. I know I need to learn that more. Another marshmallow mom that you may have something in common with is Emma Empty Threats. Do you know her? She's a close friend of Robin repeats herself 50 times. You see, these moms stick together. A play date isn't over until Robin repeats, put that away, put that away, put that away. And Emma has her friends back and follows up with a couple dozen of these. If you don't put that away, if you don't put that away, if you don't put that away. So how does their one-two parenting punch work? Well, their children hear only white noise. And what happens instead is they're trained to ignore every word. So when you, when you tell your kids something, say it, have eye contact with them and make sure they follow through. And sometimes they're going to be distracted, of course, depending on what their age is. Um, I'll tell you, there's not a lot of difference between a 17-year-old and a 7-year-old because my son, I noticed, if I tell him more than two things to do, he still forgets to do things. Uh, I, I was watering my plants on the front porch today and I, I thought, I told him to wipe the cobwebs around the door and he didn't. And so even with my 17-year-old, I have to practice what I did with when he was young. And that is not to tell him more than two things, two, not more than two commands. And if there is more, I write them down for him. So once your kids are reading, uh, make sure you make a list. If you have chores, make a list because otherwise they're going to forget, you're going to forget, and it doesn't work. Don't be an Emma empty threats. 
When you say something, mean it. So don't just say something to say something. Really think about it. And uh, as far as Robin repeats herself 50 times, I know it's frustrating with the kids, but say it once. If they don't respond, then take them, put them in their room or separate them from what they were doing, take away their technology. You really need to kind of find their Achilles heel when it comes to um, discipline. And I know I'm kind of running ahead of myself here, but with our kids, there is that ability to find the one thing they love and take it away for a few minutes of uncomfortableness. And I'll talk more about that in the future. But another one who is a marshmallow mom that you may know is Polly Protector. She's second cousin to Hillary Helicopter. Polly corners the market in protective gear. Her daughter wears a bike helmet, knee pads, and floaties in the bathtub. She tries to keep her child safe and thwart any harm that might come her way. She mistakenly believes she stands guard out of parental love when it's really fear that fuels her. Her protective mama bear instinct to shield and insulate will teach her child to become an adult who fears too. The more we fear, the more our kids fear. Now, I have four kids. One of my kids is more predisposed to being anxious about things. This has always been the case. And since, since my child was little. And so I think with each child, though, we can make things worse. We can exacerbate it by showing so much fear about things. Now, um, I am that person. I, I think part of it is, is being a 911 dispatcher since that was my career choice. I have heard too many phone calls and the craziest things. So I can sometimes fear too many things. So like I told you earlier, uh, poly protector is me too. So I can be like that. I mean, goodness, my, I was, oh, let me think how far back was this? My daughter, Grace, was a baby. I was in the family room breastfeeding her, and my husband happened to be there. I, thank goodness. And my son, David, had um, just, he was, well, if Gracie was, he was about four. And so he wanted carrots. He wanted little baby carrots. And so, but then he decided he wanted carrots like a bunny rabbit. So I had to go to the store. I didn't have to, but I did. I went to the store and got him big carrots that had kind of the green tops. And what I would do is I would cut off the end. So he'd have this big carrot to eat. Well, I was breastfeeding my daughter and he went in to um, get a carrot. And I said, okay, you can get a carrot, but I'll cut off the ends for you. Well, he didn't want to wait for me to cut off the end. So he took his fingernail, his thumb, and like peeled it back, like to bend it backwards. Well, a piece of the carrot went under his thumbnail, like a, like a shard of glass. And my husband had to take him to emergency to have him pull out a, a shard of carrot. I mean, who would even think of that? The doctor at the hospital said, I don't even know how to code this for, for your billing. <laughs> I mean, it's easy for us to be fearful. I mean, who would think to be afraid of a carrot? Uh, but those things do happen. And I think I have to really kind of squish them down and just remember who's in control. And like I told you earlier, I'm, I am a Christian. So I go, okay, God, you're in control, not me. And I just do the best I can to make them feel safe without making them feel afraid. And that is important, important environment to keep our kids in. And then another marshmallow mom, which is, I think, a detriment to all of our marriages, that would be Penny 
Puts the kid first every time. Have you ever heard of her? Penny puts the kids first every time. She's a woman who hyphenated her name because she doesn't want to lose her female identity. Ironically, it's her husband who disappears instead. Motherhood is now her first priority, and she prides herself on raising great kids. Her husband? Well, he moved out three weeks ago, and Penny didn't notice until today. Penny puts the kids first every time. It's easy to do when our kids are little to put our kids first, but we have to make a point of making time for our husband. It is huge. And I talked about that a couple episodes ago, the importance of putting our husband before our kids. Uh, When our kids are babies and in need of constant attention, it's understandable. But even then, just to spend a couple minutes with your husband, turn off the TV and just talk to him, listen how listen to how his day was at work, have him talk to you about how your day was you know, with the kids, or even if, if you're at work, how was your day at work? Just the opportunity to communicate about more than children. Because I tell you, uh, that time is coming when the kids will be grown and gone. And you need to work on that now. You really do. Not putting them first, not putting everything about them first. Uh, I know with my husband, we made sure to go on coffee dates. We would bring the kids. Actually, one of our favorite dates was going, well, this is dating us a little bit, but um, it wasn't Barnes and No, Borders, Borders Books. We would take our kids to Borders and we would bring them to the children's section and we would share some, they had like Kitty Cocos for a dollar. And so we would all have cocoa and sit back there. And my husband and I would read and they would read and play in the children's section at Borders. And it was one of the best things we could ever do. And it allowed my husband and I to actually talk about adult things and not just children things. And and that's not to say we didn't read the kids some books, but then we'd say, okay, now you go read this one to your sister or you read this one to your brother or you just look at the pictures and then my husband and I could have some time together. Very important. Keep your husband first. How about this one? I love, I love, I love this one. How about Lucy, look down your nose? This is, this is what she has to say. Lucy, look down your nose. Why aren't you breastfeeding? It's been nine years and I still pump and freeze my milk. It's a shame you gave up so soon. You see, Lucy's son was born potty trained and she reminds you of your failings as a mom. Her marshmallow tendency is to allow her child to make his own bedtime and nutrition choices. And you'll find Lucy most often around new parents, because after all, she's a new mom too, but she's obviously a lot smarter than you are. Lucy is that mom. I don't care how many times you get together with a group of ladies, there's going to be one woman that kind of judges you for how you're raising your kids. And then of course, more than likely, if you talk to her for more than 30 seconds, you're going to discover that Lucy allows her kids to make all their nutrition choices in their own bedtimes. And that's not a good thing at all, because if that were the case, um, my kids would have been eating ice cream for the past 27 years for dinner. Not a good idea. So if somebody treats you like that, you know what, you're just going to have to chalk it up to some women are insecure and some women uh, just like to have that, like to make that power play. Just let it go. Let Lucy be Lucy, because I've seen a lot of Lucys who look down at things we did as a family, who I'm seeing their life now, and it's not a beautiful picture. 
whatsoever. So just keep on, you know, what, what, what's the saying? Stay in your own lane, mom, just stay in your own lane and don't worry about Lucy. I'm going to leave you with this one. How about Patricia Pinterest? Do you have a friend who's Patricia Pinterest? You struggle a lot with Patty. Her home is Pinterest perfect, created with nothing more than chalkboard paint, sparklers, burlap, and pink cupcakes. When the mere sight of a mason jar at Walmart makes you break out in a cold sweat, you realize your loathing might need medical attention. It's true. Patty's heart is wrapped up in her home, but it's her kids who desire to be wrapped in her arms instead. With her time and focus on pillows and paints, her kids wish they were one of her projects. Ooh, that one pains me because I would get on projects with my kids and I know they wanted my attention. Uh, there's a gal at my church. I just love what she says. Wherever you are, be 100% present. I'm going to say that again. Wherever you are, be 100% present. Be 100% there. That's so important. Uh, with my kids, uh, years ago, blogging came in on the scene and I was using it as a tool to kind of help me learn how to write a little better. I had no idea what blogging was. And uh, boy, was that addictive because being a stay-at-home mom at that time of my life, by the way, I've been a full-time working mom, a stay-at-home mom. I've been every kind of mom there is, honestly, single mom. I totally understand all pretty much all points of motherhood. Uh, but when I was a stay-at-home mom, oh, wow, did I want some interaction. And the blogosphere was the place for me. And since I am a pretty big people person, it I could get sucked into that bunny trail like nobody's business. And if your kids are grabbing your face and kind of pulling them towards you to look in your eyes and talk, you might have a problem. And maybe it's not blogging for you, but maybe it's your phone. So I would just totally suggest what I tried to do, and I failed many times, but I really tried this, is I would make a time. So I would be on my laptop when my kids were either napping or when they were at school. And then at bedtime, I could open up my laptop and work. But besides that, I really tried not to. And unfortunately, now that my kids are grown, I know that some of them may have memories of me being in my laptop. And that not that that shouldn't be, but it for me, it was too much. And uh, that, ma that makes me sad because I can't get that time back. But you can. You can learn from my mistakes. So do you recognize any of these marshmallow moms? Do any of these moms kind of um, make you go, oh, yeah, I can totally see that. You know, when my kids were real little, I... I, I used to think, is this, is this it, God? I'm just going to be changing diapers and wiping runny noses for the next, how many years, Lord? How many years? And honestly, I thought, is there anything, you know, anything more I could be doing, God? Anything? Just think of anything, you know? It just felt that way. So if you're feeling like that, I totally get it. I do. Uh, and I remember my husband, um, Oh gosh, this is a funny family story, but I, I thought of something I could do with the kids when my husband was, I think he was going to law school at the time he was in school and he was working. So I was home with the kids a lot. And what I did was I thought, you know, I'm going to start an errand running business and I can run errands for the elderly, for people who aren't feeling good for families. I can do that. Well, this was before Craigslist. And so I put an ad in the newspaper thinking for sure that um, I would like 
my like my business would be you know trading on the open market you know before my husband even heard anything about anything so i'm holding my daughter grace in my arms i'm walking to the door saying goodbye to my husband and he turns back and says hey there's been a mistake made with our um our credit card i think we have um, we've been charged like it was like a hundred and something dollars and um about an ad that went in the paper so can you call them and have them reverse the charges i don't know who got a hold of our credit card and I just knew what he was talking about. He was talking about my ad for my errand res- running business. And I said, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that I have to now admit what I did. So I told my husband and admitted just what I had done. And he looked at me and he said, Lucy, Lucy, Lucy. His reference to Lucille Ball. And he said, and he pointed out the kids that were in my very messy house. And he took my face in between his hands and he kissed my cheek. And he said, look at who's in your arms right now. And he pointed to the baby in my arms and he said, your time is coming. He said, just right now, this is the greatest ministry of all. And he pointed my face back to my kids and my life. And he was right. It, It really was. That is, I'm so grateful that he did that because it allowed me to start writing and speaking and, and doing so many things after I got to enjoy my kids. And that is a very sweet thing. And I'm so grateful for that. But even so, I just started thinking, is this, I still struggled with that. Is this the only, is this it Lord? And I remember uh, a woman saying to me, uh, and I think she was talking about, uh, there was a portion of scripture she was talking with me about. But it was really that, you know, God loves to see the work begin. You know, be be happy with your small beginnings. You know, you don't have to do all these huge, amazing things, or at least things you think are huge and amazing. I know we look at Instagram and we look at Facebook and we think, oh my gosh, look what they're doing with their children. Look at their pictures they've done. Look what, oh my gosh, look at their Christmas cards. And we think we're not doing enough or we're not doing something big enough. And that's not true. It's the little things. It's the little things that help the work begin. The teeny tiny things that make for big changes with our kids. So I wanted to share with you, and this list I'm going to um, have in our in our show notes today, and it's about the little things you can teach your kids that are really big things. And I've got to tell you this quote by Charles Spurgeon, which I love. He gives hope to parents everywhere. And Charles Spurgeon said, God accepts your little works as if they're done in faith in his dear son. God will give success to your little works. God will educate you by your little works to do greater works. And your little works may call out to others who shall do greater works by far than you shall ever be able to accomplish. And I want to share with you this list. Teach your child to pick up her toys and you raise a responsible adult. This is so true. Teach your child to pick up their toys. Mean moms do not do all of the housework. Let me say that again. Mean moms don't do all of the housework. Don't do it. Teach them to pick up their toys. It starts very young. Kids are walking at the age of one. Teach them to put it back in their little toy box. I'm telling you, mom, you will thank me for it later. Teach your child to pick up her toys and you raise a responsible adult. Teach your child to share and you raise a kind adult. 
This is, this is very important when you have siblings and I will encourage you. It doesn't mean the oldest child has to give in to the next child every single time. Sometimes let the baby cry. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think the oldest should have to give up their toy every single time. Teach your child to share and you raise a kind adult. Start young with teenagers. It's really important. You, you have such a, you have such a voice. Your, your words are loud in your kids' ears, whether you like to think so or not. They really are. So when you, um, spotlight the things they're doing well, that's huge. And I remember, um, David and Megan bringing home each other, bringing like a chocolate milk home from school for each other or something from their class party, a treat or a piece of candy for another sibling. I'm going to tell you when they did that, I made a big deal about it because it was kind. And for a child to give up a piece of candy uh, for another sibling, trust me, I don't think I was that person. And so I would just recommend you just shine a spotlight on that when they are kind and when they do share. Teach your child to choose words carefully and you raise an encouraging adult. I am a word girl. Words are my love language. I save all the cards I get when I go and speak at conferences and things. I always save the cards that the women send me some afterwards. I'll get sometimes things in the mail or an email or I, that's so important. You know, words are huge and um, they shouldn't be spouted lightly well, I will say words are such a big deal to me. Um, I just make sure I'm very encouraging with my kids and that they always hear me tell them I love them every day. And even my senior in high school, he's the youngest now, while uh, I kiss him goodbye at home and, and say, I love you, have a great day at school, that kind of thing. I, on his lunch bag, I'll put, I love you sometimes, or Sometimes, well, he's asked me to put three dots, which is our code for I love you. And I may not have put the three dots. I will tell you this. Mean moms are a lot meaner when they're younger moms <laughs> and their kids are, I'll tell you, my oldest three actually made their lunches way more than Samuel ever has. And that just shows that I'm getting tired, I guess. But teach your child to choose words carefully and you raise an encouraging adult Teach your child to serve and you raise a sacrificial adult. Have you allowed your child to serve in any capacity? I love the county that we live in here in Tennessee because they are very big on community service. The high school that my kids go to, they have to um, do a senior project before they graduate. Every single senior has to do community service and then do a report, a PowerPoint on it. And I think it's 40 hours um community service and they have to choose something. It can't be like they're, they can't do their, you know, like their family's job work, or they really have to try and find something where they can help and serve. And I've sat in when the kids have given their presentations and it is amazing. Amazing. Kids never want to do it. I'm going to tell you that right now. Don't wait until they're, they're going to want to serve. And the ones that, that are easy to serve others, um, they're probably little people pleasers. So you might want to curb the ones that are too helpful sometimes, but I mean, at least not take advantage of them. Cause I know my little sister was like that. She was so sweet. And I know as a big sister, I took advantage of that. So definitely teach your kids to serve. And how do my kids do that at home now? Uh, if we have company, 
my kids are my kids get up and take the plates. I don't have to say, "Hey, you guys, pick up the plates, put them, go wash them, put them in the dishwasher." It they do that because that's how I train them, and I don't realize how many families don't do that until my kids do that, and other families that are visiting go, "What in the world?" So you have that ability, you have that time, do that, train them. That's what they do. And you don't need to give a big, huge medal for every time they do it because they're a part of a family. And what I tell, what we tell our kids is you're, we're a team, team craft. And so we all have our roles to play and we all help each other. And this helps me when you set the table and you clear it. So thank you. And that's all you need to do. Don't, don't train your kids to to serve with expectations. And that's not what you want to start doing. Teach your child patience and you raise an adult who knows peace. Ooh, this is a big one. Teach your child patience and you raise an adult who knows peace. Now that is going to be one of the hardest lessons to teach a child. But if you can make them wait for things that they want, uh, that's big. Uh, Kids need to learn early on the difference between a need and a want. Uh, adults, I have a lot of friends who need to know. I know I need to know a lot of times the difference between a want and a need. Uh, in my kitchen, I told my husband, I need a window seat around my kitchen table with big, big pillows. I That's that's definitely something I need. Well, is it? No, it's not. I'm honest here. It's something I want. A need is air to breathe and food for my belly and shelter from the cold. A want is pretty much everything else. So we need to teach our kids patience with the things they want and teach them the difference between a want and a need. Teach your child about hard work by experiencing hard work and you raise an adult who won't go hungry. I'll tell you, if there were two things I could boil down everything to teach your kids, one would be to train them up in the faith. Uh, to teach them about God. That's the biggest thing in my book. But the other one would be teach your kids about hard work. I, If I had my own business, I would rather have a B average student, a C average student who worked very hard than an A plus student who was lazy. Uh, hard work is a big deal. And adults I can, adults respect that. And the older we get, the less we see it, I think, and we, we appreciate it. So when our kids want to do something, we're very big on trying to teach our kids, how can you do it? How can you raise the money? How can you do these things? Um, my son, David, when he was in, I think, junior high, he'd probably know his age better, but he wanted to make some extra money. And I forget what it was for now, but he just, he came up with the idea of going around to the neighbors and charging them 50 cents for a garbage can to roll a garbage can out to the curb at night. And then the next day get there uh, in the morning and roll it back for another 50 cents. And, and we helped him with a name. I came up with garbage in garbage out. And that was the name of his little business. He created this little makeshift contract that he could have people sign up for to, um, charge them to bring their garbage out at night and bring, pull their garbage back in in the morning. And and I'll tell you, the sad thing was not one neighbor, not one neighbor hired him. And I thought, man, if I had a kid coming up to my door offering to do that, 
I would so encourage him. I so would. It was like triple digit heat when David went door to door to door. He had his bicycle and this little bike helmet. And it was very sweet because my husband, uh, he rode his bike around the neighborhood with him. And But David had to go up to the door himself. His dad wouldn't go up with him. And then I found them a few hours later. I brought him some ice water and it was a very sweet thing. Um, and did it turn out perfect? No, he didn't make any money, but he'll never forget that because we got to talk to him about being an entrepreneur and how business, you know, when you, when you start a business, son, when you grow up, most businesses, most people take three businesses to have one that really soars. You know, we, we try and fail, but that doesn't mean we're a failure. We got to have so many great talks with him. And so teach your child about hard work by experiencing hard work. Uh, Our kids don't pay for their own cars, or excuse me, rewind the train here. Let's back this one up. Let me say that again. My kids pay for their own cars. We don't pay a dime for all their kids' first cars, all of our kids. Um, We don't pay for their cell phones. They work for it. So a cell phone doesn't come in on the scene until they are old enough to pay for it themselves. And that usually means junior or senior year of high school. Um, So I'll tell you, that is big. Teach them about hard work um, because otherwise they're going to be working for my kids and that's okay. Um, Teach your child about heartache and you raise an adult who has joy in any storm. So you're probably thinking, what do you mean, Joanne, teach your child about heartache? That's terrible. No, it's true. Uh, Don't shield your child from every pain. Don't do that because you make a very weak adult. Uh, children who are sheltered and and um, protected from any pain and any hurt, they have no way of understanding how they can get back up again when they when they fall down. So allow a little pinch, um, allow them. And unfortunately, there are a lot of families where kids have to really experience a lot of heartache, and that's so sad. And I'm sorry if that was your life when you were a child, but understand that. Our pain is what makes us who we are today. And our homes are a, a safety net for our kids to learn and grow uh, where they can where they can dream and where they can fail, where they can fall, but where they can grow. And so allow them that opportunity to uh, hurt while they're at home with you. Uh, it's really important that you do that. So teach your child not to fear and you raise an adult who can face any adventure life brings. I think we talked about that a lot more earlier today about not showing your kids, teach them not to fear. Um, And that's so much modeled by us. Teach your child to value differences and you raise an adult who respects all people. This is huge. Uh, There are different people in our world. There are different kids. There are different Uh, even being around kids who um, are handicapped or it's important that our kids understand uh, it's okay to be around all kinds of people and to value the differences. That's what's really important, not to ever mock it or ever act like certain people are beneath us. It's very important that our children learn at home the value of humanity and uh, We've always been a family that has um, embraced that. And so our friends um, are all different colors. Our family and friends are friends and they are people who are um, healthy, people who are sick. There have been people in our lives who are 
uh, handicapped. And it has been, I hope our kids have learned, and I think they would say they have, that we value all people because um, God values life. And so we value life. So it's important that we teach our kids that. So teach your child to be happy with little and you raise an adult who is content. This is a big one. How about this? One sentence. I'll just I'll just boil this down to one sentence. Don't give your kids everything. Don't do it. Every Christmas, I would ask my kids what they want. Every Christmas, like every mom, right? And would try and fulfill everything they wanted. My kids are grown now. I asked them a few years ago, what was your favorite Christmas gifts? Do you know that they can't remember 98% of what we spent money on? Oh, that, that's a whole, a whole episode in itself. I will definitely be doing one of those before Christmas. But think about it. What? Really, the, the greatest thing you can give your kids is time. The greatest thing you can give them is time. And so I would just highly suggest your job isn't to make their whole life this magical unicorn experience. Rainbows and unicorns, that's not what you're supposed to do. We're supposed to be raising our kids to be adults. We're supposed to be raising them to take on the world. We are supposed to be working ourselves out of a job. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so making them happy every second of every day, well, that's not going to happen in my house. And so my kids are happy with, and they are more content with what they have. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, and these are lessons that you'll be teaching your kids as they grow up. Some kids will struggle with it more than others. Um, one of my kids was had a very hard time at saying no to himself. He was the one about patience and, and waiting. Oh, goodness. He didn't want to wait for anything. Nothing. Instant gratification. I want it right now, right this second. The best thing we can do is make our kids wait sometimes and learn that they they can live through it. And then the last one is teach your child all the reasons you love God and you raise an adult who may desire to love God too. There's no guarantee that our kids are going to fall in love with Jesus. Uh, I have four children and all I can do is point them to the God I love and share with them why I love him and train them up to be able to um, see why I believe what Jesus says in his Bible. Uh, Jesus is the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life that no one comes to the Father except through him. I can teach my kids these things. I can talk to them about these things. Uh, I'm Every morning I do a devotion with my kids, and um, all of my kids remember this. And did every morning devotion go perfectly? Not in your life. No. There was some ugly moments. Might have been some screaming moments when I lost my marbles, getting so irritated with kids poking each other and whatever. But I will tell you, probably 98% of the time, um, I would even say 99% of the time, it was a sweet time. And now with Samuel, he's my youngest. Uh, he's the one at home with me now. And so what I do is I read through the gospel of Mark or Matthew, or I'll, maybe I'll read Acts or we'll read Genesis. We'll read something together and we'll go through a chapter a day. It takes five to 10 minutes, maybe. Um, and so we'll do that. This, this month, we're going through um, the book, The Measure of a Man by Jean, I think it's Jean Gentz, G-E-N-T-Z, I'm pretty sure. And so um, that to me is valuable. And then we end in prayer together as a family. We'll pray and um, uh, 
teaching your kids all the reasons you love God, that's what you're called to do. You can't force your kids to do anything. And when your kids are adults, you have to respect what they choose to do. And remember, it goes back to valuing one another and pray and pray. We just, that's the biggest thing I learned that I am not a huge prayer warrior. And as my kids have gotten older, that has become the thing that I am having to learn to do. I can't talk to my kids, my adult kids, um, about God, but I can talk to God about my adult kids. And that's a big one. So that is marshmallow moms. That's what a marshmallow mom is. So are you a marshmallow mom? Do you say yes way more than you should? Do you try and make your kid's life a magical playland? Do you put on your calendar every new thing you want to do with your kids because you want to give them everything under the moon? Can your kids do no wrong? Do you struggle with saying no? It might mean that you're a marshmallow mom, but you know what? That's okay because I have the cure and it's learning how to be a mean mom. And if you don't know what a mean mom is, go back to the episode before this one, episode one, and learn just what the definition of a mean mom is. I'm so glad you've been here with me. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for listening to the Mean Moms podcast. I really am grateful for you. Make sure to share the Mean Moms podcast with all the marshmallow moms in your life. Then head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And don't forget, Mean Moms raise great kids.